Hey there, and welcome to the Confident Woman Podcast. I'm your host, Rachel Brooks. Join me as I sit down and chat with co-hosts, friends, and carefully curated guests and talk about all the things that empower you to become your best and most confident self. So let's get started. Hey, so we are so excited. So today we are sitting down with Annette Chesney and she is just going to, wow, you guys, we have so much to talk about, obviously prior to us hitting record. So FYI, we've been talking at some length here and we have some juicy (laughs) topics to bring here. And you know what? I'm just excited for today's conversation. So I'm going to pass the mic off to Annette and let her kind of share a little bit more about her as well. So welcome, Annette. Oh, I'm so glad to be here. And I've so enjoyed talking with you. And now I'm really excited to have this conversation with your audience as well. Oh, my goodness. It was like, you know, just I don't, for those for context, those who have not yet been on our podcast, we usually take a few moments just to kind of rev up our vocals, get some of those jitters and those nerves out and just have a really just beautiful introduction. But today's our five minute warm up turns into almost the entire episode length, but we are coming <laughs> at you because we had such a, a great conversation that the the time spent, I said, you know what, I want to make sure our listeners hear this. And so today's conversation, we're going to be talking about, you know, becoming your best self, really taking that lead in our in domain of our entire life and that leadership of how that we can really become our best selves and those roles that we play. So of course, we got lots to talk about. So I'm going to let Annette kind of share a little bit more about that conversation, but also more about you and your story and kind of how you came into this leadership. Mhm. Yeah, so this goes way way back. I'm I'm many moons old at this point. And so back in the day I spent about a decade and a half in vocational ministry. And it just so happened, just the way God worked this out, the person that I was working for as part of the church staff, he was a licensed therapist and had launched a support group ministry. And then he was also in charge of all of pastoral ministries, which means like all the the care elements, you know, for members of the church and everything. And as I was involved with him, more and more, I started like really watching what was going on and and got involved with the support group ministry. And, and he came to me at one point and he was like, there's a calling on you. Do you not see it? And I was like, la, 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 you know, I can't hear you. I can't, because I had a, an idea of what that meant. And I thought, yeah, you don't, you don't know my story. Like I'm disqualified for this kind of stuff. You know, it just, and he goes, no, no, you're not. And of course, since then I've learned that the things that we think disqualify us when we put those in God's hands, those are the very things that qualify us, Mm -hmm. you know, as he turns it around, because now we can speak into issues with a depth and with an authority of someone who's been there, done that, understands it, can spot it at a hundred paces and can speak deeply into the real issues associated with that. And so I, I really love that. And before long, I was actually leading that area and then, you know, and, and just involved with the counseling center and, and doing a whole bunch of things. And then I went from there to a second church And so there was like another five some years there where I launched ministries from scratch. Anything that wasn't worship team or children basically fell under me. So on top of me dealing with certain issues and dealing with the heart and, of course, working on myself through that whole time, I also had to learn leadership because I was needing to 
you know, recruit volunteers and raise people up and train them. So I was like, holy cow. I knew that I had a natural leadership bent to begin with, but that wasn't enough. So then I dove into learning leadership and I learned a whole bunch of things, trial and error. And then I started coaching people and raising them up into leadership roles and everything. And then so combine that with what I learned with the whole emotional healing and with the work I did on myself through that time, I began to see how crucial it is for anyone who's in a leadership or influencer type capacity, whether that's you're the influencer with your children or you're the influencer in a professional capacity, it's crucial that you deal with yourself first. Because if you don't, it leads you on a whole different path and any mistakes you make are amplified, you know, toward other people. And you can really hurt people when you don't mean to, you know, just out of your own insecurities or whatever. So I am real big on dealing with ourselves, you know, as we move into leadership or if we are leaders, we have to deal with ourselves at a, at a deeper level even because now our leadership is moving to another level, you know, so so I'm just very, very passionate uh, about all this. I could tell. And it's, you know, it's interesting because leadership is, I think sometimes it could get a little bit cloudy because we think of like leaders as, as being the strong, authoritative, like, you know, follow me kind of stuff. And, you know, maybe that's just the way I envisioned because maybe that was the leaders that were mentors and models to me. So I really didn't understand the context of leadership, but I love how you're putting it in that framework where it's like, it's, it's beyond you. It's, it's not, it's not just about, you know, get behind me and follow me wherever I'm going to go and do it my way. And interesting enough, and this is something I was just looking up recently, just in my own like curiosity, the different styles of leadership, which I thought were unique because mm -hmm. As I understood the different styles, it also helped bring down some of those barriers of what I thought leadership was. And leadership is, is, it's something that I don't want to say that we do, or we don't have it. Like you said, we're leaders in our life in some capacity, whether mm -hmm. we're, you know, a mom and we don't realize it, but we are leading our children. If mm -hmm. you're a, a wife, you're also leading your, your partner as well. And so like, there's different formats of, of leadership, but I think, you know, when we come down to it, and I just want to just share kind of the six different leaders leaderships, or actually it was seven leadership styles that I came across, which were democratic, transactional, autocratic, bureaucratic, laissez-faire, servant, and transformational. Now, I don't know mm -hmm. if that's for everybody. This was just of, of a, my own Google search of my own curiosity. Mm -hmm. But the one that really stood out to me, I was like, Ooh, I am a leader. And it wasn't the uh -huh. ones that I thought I had to be. So right. that one really brought almost like, I'm a leader. <laughs> it was a weird thing right. to say, but it brought some of that clarity. So as you kind of go through these leadership attributes and characteristics and, and define those for what you are and who you are and the, the roles that you're called and qualified for, you are essentially being, you know, elevated to that next tier, which is to lead others. And, you know, leadership, it could be something as simple as leading the person that you were yesterday. Somebody's going to be that version and need that version of you. So that's leadership as well. So this is an interesting topic. So I'm so glad that we're having this conversation because I'm going to be learning a lot. And I know that you're going to be sharing a lot with our, with our listeners as well, but I'm curious to know a little bit more about, you know, the leadership aspect, how you've kind of framed it for your own life as well, but how you mm -hmm. also help individuals develop and cultivate and lead their own lives. Yes, for sure. Self-leadership is where it all starts. You know, we deal with ourselves 
And and I've I've always loved that aspect of it because everything else falls in place when when we deal with this. And so I I went through a season where I was dealing with a lot of I used to coach a lot of men and women both, you know, on these issues. But then I kind of was narrowing it down to women. And then I actually shifted my messaging to be specific that this is for women. And I was getting a lot of women who were small business owners and they were struggling and they caught themselves self-sabotaging and they realized they were doing it, but they didn't know how to stop it. And every time they saw a goal on the horizon, something in them would, would rise up because there was a spark in them. You know, they were go-getters and they would want to reach for it. But then when they would reach for it, they would implode. Mm -hmm. And this cycle was happening over and over with them. And I, I became known as a sort of a breakthrough coach, you know, cause I could, because of the, the combination of skill set that I had, I could, I understood the business aspect, but I could also deal with the heart and get down to like, what's driving behavior, what's really going on there. And as I was talking with these women who, by the way, their confidence was so eroded, their belief in themselves was so eroded that they had reached the point where now they're expecting to fail. Mm. And as I unpacked what was going on too many times, I found that there was narcissistic abuse in their background. And I could spot that because I had been through it myself more than once. And I knew what it did to me. And I knew what the process I had to go to, to get myself out of that pit and to rebuild the confidence and to, you know, like fan the little spark in me that was still there, but was just so exhausted, you know, and trying to, to overcome these things. And if you're not aware of this stuff, whether it's narcissistic abuse or other hurts, it could be, you know, going through a tough divorce. It could be, you know, feeling like you failed at goals one too many times and it's taken the wind out of your sails. It could be something from growing up that gets embedded as a certain narrative in your head that is so counterproductive that who you truly are is constantly at war with that message. You know, it, it could be any number of things, but when you're in any sort of John Maxwell says leadership is influence. Mm -hmm. That's all it is. You know, may not have the title of leader on it, but we can influence people for good or for bad either way. And whether it's for good or bad depends on our own self-leadership, you know, and how we're going to move forward. So, you know, I like to take a look at these different issues of the heart and when I work with women to unpack their stories, to see what's going on, to see where they've got some false beliefs or assumptions about themselves, and then to go, what's the genesis of that? Like, where did that come from? And a lot of times there's woundedness in the heart and being go-getters, you know, like we tend to be that we, we kind of try to stuff that in a box and put it on a shelf and pull ourselves up by the bootstraps and soldier on. And all we wind up doing is being like the walking wounded. Mm. You know, we're moving forward. We're maybe even accomplishing some things here and there, but we are not firing on all cylinders. Yeah. You know, we're getting by, we're being okay. And we may have gotten so good at that, that unless someone truly knows us, we can put up such a good front and we can still get accolades from people. And no one really knows that maybe we've got eight cylinders that we could fire on and we're only firing on four <laughs> right now. And that just becomes a way of life. And I think that's tragic. 
you know, that is truly tragic because there's so much more that we have to offer the world and that the world needs, or, you know, at least our circle of influence needs, you know, we're meant for more and we're not meant to remain status quo. And it shouldn't be so hard. We shouldn't be having the air sucked out of everything we're doing that we feel like we're trudging through. And that's what happens if we don't deal with some of the underlying issues. Yeah. Wow. I mean, some of the stuff that you were just sharing is, it, I feel like it's hitting me in real time. You know, just uh, some of the stuff that Annette and I actually connected and bonded over were, were some of those issues that she had just shared. So without sharing, you know, too much of that personal information, this is really speaking to me. And, you know, I, I found myself in a season just as of lately, like, uh, to be honest, it was last year, I found myself in a, a, a place where my confidence had felt eroded. Mm-hmm. And then in creeps that imposter syndrome was like, how do you keep showing up as the confident woman on all your stuff? And it's right. like, because I, I, I'm confident in just leading and living my best life. But that best was like 1% each day that I could give. Mm-hmm. And, but it was something that kept me going because it was something that I knew was beyond and bigger than me. And whatever I was going through was at, this was actually going to help me get through it. Mm-hmm. So this, this podcast, this platform has been incredible because the amount of people that I've been able to connect and converse with, and, you know, all the, all the women that have come in through my life this past year have helped heal and restore myself. So mm-hmm. this is a fresh off, fresh off the press here, but it's, you know, sharing, sharing those little bits here and there, this really speaks to me. And, and, you know, when we talk about the issues at the heart, it's, it's so true because we are, we're wounded. We are wounded individuals. And as much as we could say, well, we haven't had something major happen in our lives. You know, it doesn't have to be what they call like the, the small T and the big T of trauma. It doesn't have to be some, something catastrophic. It's those little paper cuts over time, over time, over time. And eventually it's just builds up where it's like, no, those were still traumatic because nobody should be cut in any way, but yet still recognizing that we're all carrying some sort of hurt, some sort of pain, some sort of did me wrongs. And it's Mm -hmm. like, we need to learn to unpack that because eventually through leadership, it's like, we're, you know, as you said, self-leadership as we're leading our own selves through this Mm -hmm. healing process, we don't know indirectly that people are still, they're there, they're watching, they need this because you don't know the impact and influence that you'll be leaving and making on others as well. So I love that right. we're we're having this honest conversation and you know unpacking some of those the issues of the heart and I'd love to hear some of those some of what those are and and so we can expand upon those as well. So somebody's like I think this is me but I'm not really sure. So we're going right. to dive into that. Right. Yeah, for sure. And let me just preface this. We're going to you know there's like three big ones that we can talk about that are easiest to spot the symptoms. And there's some there's some like overlap between these but let me just preface this by saying that there is no shame. And if you recognize this stuff, like I respect the ones who step up and say, yep, I've dealt with that, that, and that. And yes, I'm struggling with this now because I can work with that. Mm -hmm. And, and I get it. And to be honest with you, in in my experience, my own personal experience and, and the women that I've worked with and others that I've talked with, the ones who are able to make the greatest impact are the ones who have walked through the valleys themselves. And and if they handle it right, they'll emerge on the other side of that better than had they not had those experiences, you know? So there's a scripture 
I'm sure you're familiar with it, that talks about, you know, God works all things together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. I truly believe that. I have mm-hmm. seen that pan out in, in real life. So the things that you think are the most negative things, the most shameful things, the things we try to hide from others, those are the very things that as you come out of that and you get the healing from that, you can speak with authority deeply into certain issues. You have more compassion. You have more understanding. You're such a better leader overall because of the depth that you've gained by walking through those valley experiences, you know? So mm-hmm. let's take a look at this first one, that, you know, this heart level thing. And we'll just talk about some of the symptoms. Sometimes that's the easiest way to know, is this sort of bubbling in the background? Now, first one is anxiety which is just like a more acceptable way of saying fear, right? And so, and it doesn't mean that you're weak. It doesn't mean you're weird. We just, we all deal with this at different levels. So some of the ways it shows itself is like fear of rejection, for example. And when we're dealing with fear of rejection, that's where we get caught up in people pleasing. And we have a hard time taking a stand like on a conviction, taking a stand, holding the line, you know, having your opinion, your conviction about something philosophically or whatever, and, you know, stay in the course going through that doesn't mean that you're not open to other opinions or anything, but trusting your gut, basically, that you can move forward instead of constantly doubting yourself and being able to speak up. You know, when our confidence is eroded, we shrink back. And we fear because if if we're this this fear of rejection and the anxiety and everything overall, it shows up in our confidence level. We're afraid of being exposed. We're afraid of once that imposter syndrome stuff starts showing up, like you were mentioning, we do shrink back. We don't step into opportunities. We're more likely to be quiet. We're sitting in a meeting with everybody. We have something to offer in that meeting. And instead, we'll just stay zipped. Because we're afraid if we speak up, what if someone doesn't agree with me? What if, what if this or that? So we never bring who we are to bear in the situation, you know, and the more we do that, the more our confidence erodes, the more our confidence erodes, the more we do that sort of thing. And if, if we're okay within ourselves, if our hearts are healed and whole, and we know who we are and we're comfortable in our own skin, then this whole fear of rejection thing can't grab a toehold within us. doesn't mean we won't feel it, but it won't shift our identity, you know, and what we, we say to ourselves, same thing with boundaries in our life. We won't hold the line on boundaries because if we've got a fear of rejection going along, we're afraid if we tell someone no, you know, or disagree with them or whatever, that they will turn around and reject us and move away. So what we will do is we become this chameleon. We'll shift who we are. We'll shift what we believe in. We'll open the door to things that our gut is telling us not to. And we can get ourselves in a whole lot of trouble with that. The same thing with stepping up with, you know, confrontations. Not all confrontations are negative. Sometimes we have to have certain confrontations. And if they're handled in a healthy way, then issues are resolved or, you you emerge better. The relationship is stronger on the other side of that. You gain more understanding of each other. It doesn't have to be bad. But if we fear rejection, we're not going to have those healthy, constructive kind of conversations. 
Yeah. Oh my goodness. So many of these that are just really sticking with, with me. I mean, on a personal note, but also from what we hear from, from so many of, of our women in our community, just women we meet, it's like, when you start to hear the common thread through everything, you realize now the struggles, although they're, you, they're unique and personal to you as you're going through them, but they're not as unique as, as what it feels like because others have had these experiences and they're all struggling with them in some capacity. And it's like, you know, who hasn't uh, people please at some point who hasn't, mm-hmm. you know, felt, felt difficult, you know, standing up or, or speaking out who hasn't mm-hmm. had that awkward, weird feeling like, Oh, I have to confront or say something right. Or holding those boundaries. I think mm-hmm. we've all done this in some capacity. And it's like, you know, as we continue to see how we're showing up in those areas that maybe, maybe there is that underlying uh, issue that mm-hmm. is something that needs to be reassessed or, you know, reevaluated. So I think that as we look at it, it's like, oh, well, you know, somebody can say, well, I don't have the anxiety, but we do. Right. Because mm-hmm. I mean, it's kind of hard in this world not to, mm-hmm. I mean, there's so much that it's fear, 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 right. Everything right. you turn on the media to social media, to taking that big leap into your, you know, calling or, you know, what's lurking behind that corner and the shadows of our own past that we have maybe tried to outrun. It's like, we're all living this, but yet we don't really know how to speak about it. But then sometimes as you know, not even that, but sometimes how do we move forward through this? Mm -hmm. And that's some of the challenges is where we find our individuals getting stuck is in navigating through that. Like, yep. Okay. You could be nodding and yeah, I have that. Yeah. I experienced that. Yeah. This is me. Mm -hmm. So now what, what's next? Right. So these are, you know, this is obviously what you do with the the work that you do is Mm -hmm. you empower those women, you, you help coach them, you lead them, you guide them. And so Mm -hmm. what are some of those, you know, obviously we'll go into strategies a little bit in, in, you know, later here, but what are some of the other, you know, the resistance, like once they've already come to, yes, this is me, what's mm-hmm. next? What, how do we just empower that woman to take her first step or to ask for help or, you know, speak up? Right. Yeah. And I'm so glad you pointed out, like we all deal with this, whether it's the fear of rejection, fear of failure, just, just being afraid of being embarrassed, which ties into those first couple things. Control freaking, mm-hmm. you know, we can get into control freak. And a lot of people don't realize that there's a fear mm-hmm. that's that's driving that. And the whole people pleasing and all that stuff we mentioned. All of that, it's like multiple sides of the same coin, you know, of this fear issue. And so looking at symptoms and being able to put a label on it where we identify, that's that's a good start. Because the worst thing we can do is just try to, well, you know, I'm just going to suck it up and I'm going to press myself forward and I'm just going to rise above this. I'm going to overcome it. Yeah, to a degree, because these are common human experiences and they're not all bad. Sometimes it's the very thing that help us helps us to become better, you know, and I would expect that you'd have some anxiety when you're stepping into like a new zone in your life or a, a new level of something with your business or whatever, of course. But if, if it becomes crippling to us, like if we are on the point of a panic attack when faced with having to speak in front of a room or make a presentation or whatever we're doing, that should be like a red flag waving that this is more than just the normal sort of jitters because it's a little out of my comfort zone, you know, 
out of the comfort zone is good because we grow. That's how we grow. But when it becomes paralyzing, when we're kicking into fight, flight, or freeze, that that's the red light on the dashboard of the car telling you this, there's more than meets the eye. <laughs> you know, we need to look beneath the hood a little bit. So, you know, just talking through some of these symptoms, maybe the best thing we can do is acknowledge it, own it and say, time out. I need to back up and let me just unpack my own heart a little bit and look at what's really going on here. Where does this come from? What is the situation reminding me of? Sometimes that helps to connect the dots. Whose voice am I hearing in my head? You know, when fears crop up, sometimes, you know, I've, I've worked with people and they'll realize, oh my gosh, every time I'm faced with this, I hear my mother's voice in my head criticizing me, you know, whatever it is, you know, you can't go through life without having some of this stuff going on. And, you know, my goal in working with people is not just to help them suck it up better, you know, and achieve their goals in spite of that, but I'm all about getting free from it. Mm, yes. So then, then you can run forward and you can enjoy the journey. You know, you can look at life as an adventure instead of a threat. Yeah. Wow. I mean, that's I'm over here like, yeah, I, I, you know, you hear your mother's voice, you hear your own voice, you hear that, that, that jerk one time and it's right. like they repeat. So it's like, yeah, these different voices in our heads, but, and then sometimes it's so hard when there's so much noise and it just sounds like chatter and you just cannot at some point discern who's who. Mm -hmm. And then somewhere in there is your little piping whisper, like, Hey, don't believe that. You don't believe that. And it's like, right. you try to tune in and you wonder like, you know, you almost become dismissive of that. And then also our own like internal, like knowing the, you know, our spirit led voice. Mm -hmm. And how can we move forward then if we're just bombarded by all these lies and fears and stories and narratives and, you know, remarks and criticism. And sometimes, like you said, it just becomes crippling and paralyzing that we, we don't, we shut instead of, mm -hmm. you know, moving forward, we shut out and shut down when we sometimes numb out, numb, you know, numb in different ways. We bury ourselves mm -hmm. in distractions. We bury ourselves in work. Yeah. Yes. We become very busy, very mm -hmm. busy trying to outrun exactly. what we, what we are not giving time and attention to tune in and listen. And when we do, we can start sorting through and deciphering whose voice is what and what bucket they live in. And then you can start unpacking and sorting through and organizing in a way that feels so empowering to you, because now it's not about what they're all saying. It's about what you're choosing to hear. Exactly. Exactly. Because we can be chased by ghosts and yeah. don't even realizing how we're being driven by that. So, yeah, and it just, it shows up in different ways for different people, but it's huge. It's huge. And it, it really does suck the life and the love out of what you're doing, you know, because now you're, you're trying to avoid, you know, maybe a fear of punishment or embarrassment or exposure. And, and instead of challenging ourselves and, and enjoying being challenged and like, you know, getting like, woohoo, you know, out of yeah. when you step out of your comfort zone and you try something and being okay with trying something and failing. Like if we're not okay with that and we never challenge ourselves and we only take the safe things that we feel like guaranteed to accomplish that right there is a, is a, the red light flashing on the dashboard. Cause again, you have more to offer the world than that. And it's tragic if we don't, if we live our lives hiding 
in some form or just being self-protective. I mean, what's the world missing? They're missing you, the unique gift that that you are here for. And one of the points that, that you had mentioned, uh, and I kind of want to just piggyback off of what you had shared before was, you know, there is a, there's a level of where you can be pushed out of discomfort, but when the pain becomes unbearable because you're being forced into something you are not. And I just want to kind of throw in my little, go on my little soapbox here for just a half a second Mm -hmm. and share this because I had experienced this also this, you know, as I'm trying to heal a lot of my stuff in my life, but something that came up was like, I don't know if it's like toxic positivity or it's just like, oh, well, just keep doing the thing because you know what? It's it's going to help you grow and get outside your comfort zone. And, and you know, it's like maybe their intent is well, well intended. However, you as the individual need to discern and say, hey, listen, this is for my own protection. Like I know that if I were to go beyond this limit, I know how I can get. I know it will, will, where it will go. And I also realized that that's not for me. And so sometimes advocating for yourself and vocalizing that because otherwise somebody else would just keep pushing you towards the thing that's called growth and stretch yourself. And, you know, you only live once. It's like, you know, it's like mm, knowing yourself gives you so much power because you won't be derailed or detained in somebody else's agenda. Because that is the, you know, when we look at uh, self-sabotage, this is a way to self-empower and reclaim that power. And so there's a lot of times that we will just sabotage ourselves anyway, and then throw in somebody else in the mix and they'll double down on that. But it's like, where are you at this point in your life where you can say, no, this is a hard no. And it's not because you're resistant to growth or change, but you know what happens Mm -hmm. after that. Because when we get to those limits that that's, you know, it's like the, the hot stove. We yep. know don't get too close because we're going to get burned. Don't go too close because you know what's going to happen. You don't get too close into this because you're going to lose yourself in your identity. So knowing mm-hmm. that somebody has already walked that path, just because you give that as a feedback doesn't mean that you're being met with resistance or you're not coachable or you're you're just you know not not embracing the challenge of who you could be, right? So sometimes we get yeah. that narrative. And uh, I just wanted to share that because there's a lot of stuff that I've heard. And a lot of stuff that I have been experienced too. And rightfully so, there may have been a time when I may have pushed somebody out there. So I'm going to pull that back and say, hey, listen, I was just coming from a place of intention, love, and meant the best. However, you have to know where you lie, like in that limit. And -hmm. there is no such thing as being limitless. We all have a limit. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And a finite amount of time and energy in each day. So you have to, you have to know yourself, you have to know where you're headed. You know, these heart issues can interfere with us knowing ourselves because mm-hmm. now we've got all these messages. We've got all these things, the ghosts we're trying to outrun, the labels we're trying to disprove or whatever, you know, but and it's so interesting that you brought that up. I actually have a workbook. It's on my website. We haven't even talked about this. <laughs> we got, um, we got <laughs> lots to talk about. I told I told you guys we, we got a lot to unpack. <laughs> I have this workbook that's about developing your own personal constitution. And I use that. That's that's one of the weeks in a coaching program that I have for women that are rebuilding their lives after narcissistic abuse. It's called Cinderella No More. But I have this particular workbook available completely separate. It's on my website. It's just a free download. And one of the exercises in this workbook is you're identifying your values Mm -hmm. and then you're quantifying and defining a value for yourself, you know, numbering them in order of priority for yourself. And then as part of the the quantifying that it's really your value, I've got all these questions 
questions that you that you work through to ask yourself, is this my value? Mm-hmm. Is it a value that I think I should have or someone else told me I should have? Or do I hear someone else's voice in my head, you know, saying that this is how things should be or how you should be or how you should live your life or whatever, but just really coming out and defining that for yourself and then it all wraps up by you You write a paragraph or so of this is my personal constitution, which is sort of the frameworks, the stake in the sand of who I am. Just like we have, you know, here in the U.S., we have a constitution that defines us as a republic. You know, it doesn't dictate every little thing in our lives, but it just says these are the core tenets that, you know, we stand on. And so we need to have that in our own life. And so many times we don't even think to do that. We just sort of you know, go with the flow of maybe something we picked up from our parents or whatever, but we've never really challenged ourselves to think through what are the values that I hold dear Mm -hmm. and what are the ones that are most important to me? And, you know, none of the values are wrong. And, and certain values, like how you define it, Rachel, might be different how I define it. So that's why you have to, you know, know yourself. And that's just part of that process of just rediscovering who you are, especially after you've been through tough stuff. You know, you have to go through that self-discovery process all over again, because you've been changed by what you went through, you know? Very much so. Yeah. And I thought that was unique because as I was going through that experience, it it just kind of gave me this aha. And it's like, wait a minute, I don't want to become somebody that I'm not. And, Mm -hmm. and those, you know, those people are are pushing, you know, like I said, their intention may be good, but they don't realize the damage could be uh, detrimental to somebody's identity and their own self-belief. And then, you know, what happens when we start becoming somebody else is that we're met with, you know, resentment and, and a hardened heart. And we feel like just angry at the world because it's like, we haven't been able to express openly who we are, but yet we also haven't had an opportunity to, to discover and become who we are. Mm -hmm. And so I, I give somebody pause there when this is happening in your life to really take a moment to ask yourself, is this truly who I am? And that's Mm -hmm. a question that, you know, to be honest, could be very hard for anyone to answer because I remember I was asked that I was met with that question several years back, long time ago. And somebody asked, well, who are you? And I said, what do you mean? Who am I? I'm Rachel. And they're like, but who are you? Tell me more about you. And it was just immediately either led in with my, my job title or it started with, I am not. And so, Mm -hmm. because the truth was, I didn't know who I was because I was shaped and shifted and molded by other people's beliefs, opinions, thoughts, things that were done to me, for me, all these things. And so I had really lost who Rachel is to the core that it's like, yeah, great question. I have no idea. But now that you brought that to light, I have some work to do. Let me get back to you. And that was really the journey that unfolded for me to discover who who I am at the core, but also, you know, what is my life's mission? What am I here for? Because there's more to it just than owning your identity. It's also your life's work. Like, what are you here on this earth for? Like, mm-hmm. we don't, we're here and we, for, you know, we don't know the set time and we don't, we're not promised anything. So the more that really shined into like, wow, life is so fragile and so short. I want to make sure that every day I give it my best, but then again, Rachel, what is the best? And so we start asking myself these questions and that really became something as a, you know, as a guide for me, because I got to learn about me. I got to understand what my values are, my values are, my beliefs, what is important to me, what I'm willing to negotiate and what are my boundaries? Who do I imagine myself hanging out with in the future? Are they the same people that I'm at now, you know, and start really questioning and kind of unpacking it all. And to be honest, it was a journey truly is. And to be honest, 
still is. And, and yes, that's, I, I agree. Totally. It's a progressive res, a revelation. Exactly. And you know, you what, and you know, what's really cool about this. And this is something that just really just took the, you know, icing on the cake kind of thing is like, we go through this life thinking that this is a journey, a journey to this destination. But the beautiful thing is, is that what if it's not about the destination, but the journey that is the destination? I am wow. in total agreement with you. Absolutely. Right. It's, it's the journey we'll never that arrive. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yes. totally. Totally. I oh, love it. Yes. Mm-hmm. And so uh, obviously, you know, just sharing a little bit more about that to put this into context, because those who have been in the space or have read my book or, you know, d- gone, gone through these courses and programs that we have as well. I really wanted to shine light. It's like, I've been there. In fact, I wasn't there just once or twice. I'm always there. Mm-hmm. I'm mm-hmm. always there because every day I'm like, what can I learn? What can I do? How was yesterday? And I measure that based off of, you know, performance because I want to show up as my best, but every day is not always going to be your, the best of your best. Right. right. We're not robots. But exactly. And it's a beautiful thing because when you look back and now it's like going back to the beginning, when you talked about leadership and it's about, if you've overcome this, now you can help others navigate on their journey mm-hmm. and just guide them, be a part of something that is experiential, but also giving that person sometimes like that accountability double, knowing that somebody's there side by side and that they're not going to land on their own and, you know, be left for, you know, to, to pick themselves up. But there's right. other people that have been there, have walked similar paths and really are there rooting and guiding with you because they knew what it was like to try to walk this alone and on their own. Mm-hmm. For sure. I agree with you hundred percent. Yeah. There's another big issue that, that feeds into all this. Mm-hmm. It can distort our identity. It can add to the hurts and it's the issue of unmet needs, mm. emotional needs, because when, when certain needs go unmet, then it can leave us feeling like what's wrong with me, mm-hmm. you know, and it can leave us angry. It can, I mean, it can have all kinds of negative things. And when needs are met in healthy ways, it's like a cup of fresh water that it just sort of refreshes your soul and encourages you and uplifts you. And then you, you can push forward. And so I've noticed a lot of people don't stop to think about your needs, emotional needs. I'm not even talking about physical needs, but just your emotional needs. And, and I'll just rattle through a quick list of these, you know, just to, to put a label on it and give legitimacy to this, because as women, a lot of times we feel like, this is has been sort of purged out of us in some way to acknowledge it. Like we're not strong if we have needs. Needs make me weak, you know, emotional needs. I need to overcome this sort of thing. And it's not, you know, there's nothing wrong with you embracing these needs. And if you don't, you're wounding your own soul in doing this. But we get caught up in this narrative that that I'm too much and not enough at the same time. You know, so I'm too needy. I'm too this. I'm too that. Or I'm not enough of this. I should be stronger. I should be whatever. And so things like attention, acceptance, respect, worth, your your sense of value, appreciation, you know, where you feel appreciated by others, belonging, that mm-hmm. sense of belonging, our identity, you know, and that we that we feel comfortable in our own skin. Achievement is an emotional need that we have. Nobody wants to sit there stagnant in their life. And and if they say they do, that's usually a reflection of woundedness, mm-hmm. you know, that they're afraid to step up or they're so discouraged that they've given up and said, you know, I, I won't have any expectation there and a sense of security in our lives. And it doesn't make us weak to have these needs. The strongest women are the ones who acknowledge this and seek out 
healthy ways of meeting these needs. Mm-hmm. You don't get every single need met every week, but over the course of a month or six months or whatever, you should be able to look back and feel filled up and whole in each of these areas, you know, and sometimes we need to go directly to God. Mm-hmm. And and that's where we get that need met. Sometimes we go to girlfriends and sometimes there's other places in our life, but we need this. And the problem is if we don't give these needs the voice that they want to have, because they're going to have a voice, they're going to drive us in one form or another. And, and we can acknowledge that we could ignore it, but it's there. It doesn't go away. And so as a leader, for example, if we have certain needs that are unmet, if we start looking to our team to meet these needs, then we're in trouble. You know, these needs are legitimate, but we're we're really meant, if we do this in proper order in the healthiest way, then we're meant to fill our own bucket first, ideally in relationship with God, and then other healthy peer relationships. Our spouse factors in. Or sp- no one person has the capacity to meet all these needs, including our spouse. And when push comes to shove, we are responsible mm-hmm. for our own needs and the way they get met. And when we do this, now we're free to lead from a way that we're actually serving and guiding the team, that we're pouring into individuals. We're not leading from a position of lack or insecurity. Again, that fear that steps in. If you combine the the fears and the hurts with unmet needs, that is a recipe for disaster mm-hmm. as a leader. That's where we can wind up, you know, falling face first on the sidewalk, you know, from a leadership standpoint and, and really screwing ourselves up, we can wind up hurting others when we don't mean to, and we're easily manipulated by others too. So we're really not leading. We're being reactionary and yeah. what we're doing, you know, so our team is never meant to meet our needs. You know, they, they can be supportive and we can appreciate, you know, their appreciation of us or whatever it is, but if our bucket is not full, if we're looking to our team for that, then again, that that is a recipe for a hot mess. Yeah, very true with the the needs being unmet. I'm glad you brought that up because sometimes we don't talk about the emotions, which mm-hmm. <laughs> that's what happened, you know, growing up, we didn't talk about emotions. So we just right. buried them and stuffed them down and, you know, you just turned to different coping mechanisms and not, they weren't always healthy ones. But to your point, this is so true. Like how many of us are actually getting our needs met? And, you know, when we start looking, first of all, for context, it's not so much about somebody else needs to fill those. It's Mm -hmm. sometimes we need to be responsible and fill those as well. Like understanding our identity, right? I mean, we have our Mm -hmm. identity and in our creator, but yet what does that look like on the ground floor? Like we get, you know, we're, we're here on this earth. Like we have to make sure we align with that to, mm-hmm. you know, also, you know, achievement was a big thing too, for, for me, I think, because achievement meant, oh, she's just only looking out for, for like a personal thing. Like, was it like a, a personal goal? Whereas like now when I look at achievement, it's like, no, we're setting up for success for the long haul because other people are going to be using it or, you know, benefiting from it. And so achievement can have somewhat of a, a negative connotation, or maybe that's just my, you know, the way I was, you know, brought up. And so sometimes when we look at these needs, we have to ask ourselves, what is our, what is our belief around it too? How does that resonate with us? How have we, you know, giving meaning to that, but also to question it even further is for the needs that we need, how are we doing so for others? So I feel like 
living and leading Mm -hmm. by that example. So if we want attention, are we noticing other people? Are we giving them praise and attention too? And menu, we, we, we might only have that 10% to give, but are we giving some part of it? Right. Are we, you know, giving that respect that we so much admire? Same mm-hmm. thing with like love. It's like, we want love, but are we giving love? We, mm-hmm. we want uh, to be appreciated, but are we appreciating others? We want to belong, but are we including others in our space and making them feel warm yes. and welcome and belonging? So it always kind of goes twofold. And so even though it's like, let's just say you come to this table with like zeros in these buckets and these, you know, bank accounts of emotional bank accounts, right? Mm -hmm. So we can't expect so much for somebody to always pour into us, but yet there is something that we can do as individuals to help at least pour little bits in there and we're sprinkling it. And the more we sprinkle, we sprinkle out is kind of like the seed scattering. So it Mm -hmm. will always come back, you know, tenfold, but question whose needs are not being met. It's kind of, you know, the same thing. If we, if we want to be of service, we have to serve. If we want, Mm -hmm. again, love, we have to give love. Mm -hmm. So how are we showing up in these areas? And I think that that's an important piece to note as well. Right. And, you know, just to take this like three levels deeper (laughs) than what we were just talking, I agree with you totally on everything, but there's, there's like a a, a cautionary thing Mm -hmm. in the middle of that, because if we're not careful we can start doing that out of a people pleasing yes. mode, you know, which again is just reflecting back on woundedness and our own heart, mm-hmm. you know? So ideally giving this that we don't feel like we have to completely meet someone's need in an area. But I love what you said about, you know, the sprinkling the seeds and, and everything, because if we can just be thoughtful to someone else and just say, thank you so much. You know, you just did such and such. And, and that that was really a help. Or thank you for the example that you just set. That was inspirational to me. And I really appreciate that. Mm-hmm. Just all those little things. For one thing, it gets us outside of ourselves from our own navel gazing. But we what we don't want to do is start doing all that sort of thing because our motive is we're looking for that to be reciprocated and get back to us be, out of our empty bucket, you know, out of, I don't even know if I'm explaining this correctly, but, but out of that, like we're driven to do Mm -hmm. that because the, the people pleasing is Mm fear-based as well. And so when we want to give in this way, it's because we're not expecting, we're not demanding it to be returned to us, but when we do it from the right heart, it does come back, back to us. You know, and it it is affirming and it is uplifting, but our motivation is not, I'm looking for something from you. So I'm going to manipulate you emotionally in this way to get what I need from it. So that's just, I know that's not what you meant at all, but I just want to like put that little caveat on there just as a caution that, you know, we all need to check ourselves right. in that times. But I'm glad you did because I actually brought up a point because obviously I was, you know, recovering perfectionist, former people pleaser. I was that person, but I, and that's the thing I would do it out of the kindness of my heart. But then when I realized that, that I wasn't getting anything in return and I don't use, and I don't say that necessarily in like a way of like manipulation or control in that aspect, but we become resentful. It's like, why do we keep just, you know, Uh knocking at the door and, and somebody opens up and you're just giving and you're giving because you, you know, like maybe somebody's behind that closed door because they're going through something. And you're like, I just want to be kind and thoughtful and just love on them. And, and, but then it's like, you don't even get a thank you. You don't even get an acknowledgement and you're just kind of like, Oh, right. It just kind of defeats that, that 
giver's heart. And you're like, why right. do I do this? Mm-hmm. And then sometimes I got to go talk to God about, I'm like, why, why'd you put me, why'd you give me such a huge heart to give away when these people are just taking me for granted? Or, you know, like these are some of the narratives that you could talk yourself yeah. into because that helps, you know, empower somebody to harden their heart for all the wrong reason. Yeah. And and I don't want somebody to do that because I, I was there and it was terrible and it was awful, but being mindful of that as well. So almost the, you know, obviously in scripture, guard your heart, right? So it, right. that's what we got to do. So if we realize that we still keep going to the same person, expecting a different result, uh-huh. then we know now to pull back and just say, you know, I'm going to love you from afar because that's a form of boundary setting too. And so Absolutely. you can still give without the expectation of return. And you have to sometimes close that door on an expectation of return. Right. And totally. And, and I so relate to, to what you're saying about recognizing yourself, because I remember as a young leader doing that very thing. And that's why I'm so aware of this, because, again, you know, when we've walked through this stuff, then we can speak with authority into it. And when we get on the other side of it and we can spot it <laughs> in ourselves and others so much better. And I remember I was leading this group and then had some other people there. And I remember getting really ticked off and just just resenting them because I felt like I am pouring out and I'm pouring out and I'm pouring out and I'm getting nothing back here from that. And until it finally hit me, it's not their job mm-hmm. to pour back into me. I'm here to serve them. And I'm, I'm like barking up the wrong tree. My needs are legitimate, but I need to go to peer groups, not to those that I'm leading, mm-hmm. you know? So I have to seek out the, the right sources of that. And I wasn't going to God first. Mm-hmm you know and so yeah yeah so I mean we can we all do this you know we do and that's why I think it's important to kind of check ourselves you know check check in and check ourselves too right that's what self-awareness is it's really such a beautiful gift when you can give that back to yourself because you can see things from different perspectives and and be able to kind of step outside of your your motives and and understand it be like yeah I know the intention was there but how are you showing up was it being delivered in that way and so recognizing that. And so sometimes we just have to, you know, check ourselves and correct course as needed. And then there's also times that there's a time and place to pour, like you said, you know, I might be pouring into a group that I'm leading. However, I'll go to my peers to get filled back up. And so it, it's that cycle of exactly. understanding. So you give and fill. And so, you know, obviously I mentioned mm-hmm. a, one of the things that I think is something we wear on our heart if we don't check ourselves and that could be resentment. And yes. um, feeling that anger, bitterness, resentment, and that can also lead to unforgiveness. Absolutely. Yeah. So yeah, I'd, th- I'd love to hear area. Take, Yeah. I'd love mm-hmm. to hear your expertise on this because, oh, how well I know that area. <laughs> but I'm oh, not yeah. the expert. We've, we've all I'm just a <laughs> personal expert on that end. <laughs> yep. Yep. And the resentments thing, it's usually not, you know, like we can, those first couple of issues and all the symptoms of it, that's usually the stuff that happens first. And then if it's not dealt with in a healthy way, that's where the issues are compounded with these resentments, you know, because this whole, this resentment, anger and resentments are usually secondary emotions, mm-hmm. you know, it, it, they're a symptom of some other hurt and wound. And it shows up like, for example, we can, we can be really judgy mm-hmm. towards other people, have that critical spirit. We can have, we can, we can redirect this at ourselves sometimes too, and have unrealistic expectations of ourselves. And hand in hand, we have unrealistic expectations of others, you know, which it makes it feel that we're being demanding of other people, even if we don't mean to, because there's still fear 
lingering. And when it ties in with resentments, we can be blaming, we can scapegoat on other people because we don't want something pinned on us. You know, so of course that will really negatively affect our leadership because we're not taking personal responsibility. If we start blaming the team for something that they made me look bad or whatever, and the obvious things like having a short fuse, things that pop out of our mouth that other people feel as being disrespected, you know, and you can really tell if you're super brave <laughs> and you're leading a team or whatever, you can go and, and ask them, do you feel comfortable making a mistake around me? You know, and if they feel like they, they, they can't do anything right, then that's not their problem. That's our problem, mm-hmm. you know, that, that we have to deal with. So if we see some of these things within our, within ourselves, again, that's like the first layer, you know, the first layer of the onion, the crusty layer yeah. <laughs> of the onion that we have to deal with that and get to what's underneath that to really resolve it. Again, this is not something that we just white knuckle and say, I'm not going to do this anymore. You know, there's a reason we're doing it and it usually flows from the heart. Unfortunately, if we've done it long enough, then there can be some habitual thinking patterns as well, but that's a whole nother issue. Yeah. I mean, you make some really great points there as well. And so it's, you know, the resentment comes as a secondary and, you know, to that point of having unmet needs. And so Mm -hmm. we become resentful of those individuals, you know, similar to what I was just sharing about former people pleasing until, you know, I had to really take a look at what, what was going on as well. Um, and so then you just kind of pull that, pull that back into your own space and recognize it so you can make those uh, changes moving forward. And so I know that we talked, you know, at great lengths of, of all kinds of, um, just issues that lead from the one major thing is, which is like anxiety and fear. Right. And so how Mm -hmm. it, how it spirals out of control into our areas of our life to how it emotionally makes us feel to the secondary issues of feeling just resentment, bitterness, anger, unforgiveness, and you know, we become this like absorption of all the negative that has happened to us. But I know that on the flip side, there's a way that we can, you know, again, employ ourselves to take these, take accountability and personal responsibility Mm -hmm. and start flipping the script on that and start using them for our advantage. And like, this is what we do, you know, we've gone through some hardships. And so now it's like, I never want somebody else to feel the pain that I went through. So this has been my life's work is to, you know, help that individual in Mm -hmm. some, some way that I can. And I know that we had talked about some of the other ways that we can build up some of those strategies or some of those strategy takeaways. And I know that you have some beautiful resources as well as some of the other strategies that I know that you're waiting to share here as well. So I I know before, as we kind of come up on time, I just wanted to leave a few moments there to really discuss some additional strategies and takeaways that we have yet not covered. Right. Absolutely. So really what we've covered is just coming into awareness, this Mm -hmm. stuff, that's half the battle right there. And I've got a workbook even that I've put together that addresses these three key areas that we talked about. And it is focused on gaining awareness because sometimes just being aware and tracking ourselves. So this tool that I've created in this workbook, it's a way to track yourself in these individual areas, not for the purpose of self-condemnation, but for the purpose of awareness. And that alone can start to prick us with changes. Because in this workbook, like one of the things is walking you through tracking symptoms on a positive or negative side of if you're displaying this here or here, what does that look like? And just like every day, 
after like the first 10 days of doing this, this is like, like less than 10 minutes, first thing in the morning mm -hmm. that you do it. And just that alone, I have seen people change or begin seeing tangible changes in themselves because they have this continual awareness. So throughout the day, they start catching themselves, you know, in, in the way they're thinking or in the way they're responding or whatever. But what I always tell women is, you know, pass through that first. And then the way I've got it set up, it's just a matter of you darken the box. If you're on the negative side, you put a check mark if you're on the positive side. And so after the first 10 days or maybe the second 10 days, you look to see where are the patterns remaining? Because that's the indicator that it's more than just a cognitive awareness to change behavior of maybe habitual patterns. Now, we can point out specifically, here's the heart issues that are underlying it. Here's the symptoms pointing to a heart issue in this area. You know, so it's a really helpful self-diagnostic tool as well, because when you start to see that there's certain patterns, no matter how aware I am, the pattern remains, then that says, okay, I've got something that now I can go to a coach and I can sit down and, and work with this and we can dig into these issues and work on the emotional healing you know, there's, there's tools. I've got tools for that. And the renewing of the mind, like changing self-defeating thinking patterns or lies we're believing about ourselves that we've come into agreement with. And that seems perfectly normal. We don't even challenge those assumptions and also incorporating the things like self-care and lifestyle changes. So you actually make a plan. You're not just flying by the seat of your pants all the time. And, you know, that gracious accountability that comes along with coaching you can't get enough of that. We all need that. You know, I, I reach out, I get coaching in my life for different things. And I am in turn a coach that specializes in, in certain areas. And with this workbook, once you pass through like the, the first level of housekeeping <laughs> that you do, like clean up on aisle 13 of, of what we're dealing <laughs> with, yes. you know, then, then we need to keep short accounts because there's going to be other things in the future. So we need to have the tools in our tool belt to know how to deal with this stuff. So we're not stuffing it and just putting ourselves right back into that that same position again. So we need to have an ongoing process of, of self-inventory. So I always recommend like using this workbook and do like three, three cycles of that in a row. So that would be like 30 days. Because once you've got the workbook downloaded, you can just keep, you know, repeating it. You can you can reprint it and go through it again. And then as you're working on deeper changes in yourself, maybe once every three to six months go through another 10 day cycle again and just like check yourself, call things into awareness and just see where you're at. It's also really cool to look back at mm -hmm. where you started and to see where you are now, you know, because our growth, sometimes we don't even acknowledge it to ourselves because it's so subtle and so gradual. But when you go back and, and look at something and realize that you have really transformed and that is so affirming and encouraging to keep going in that mode. I love that you just brought that up because I was just pulling up one of my favorite quotes and I just wanted to share this and it's by C.S. Lewis and it says, isn't it funny how day by day, nothing changes, but when we look back, everything is different. So true. It's yep. such a beautiful reminder that just keep moving forward one foot in front of the other. And, you know, when we feel like we're not making progress day in, day out, as Annette mm -hmm. just said, you know, you do this process, you look back and you're like, wow, 
look at how far I've come. And that's something to celebrate and, and give, give yourself praise over because you know what, we're all stuck at some point in our lives. And it's like, how cool is it when we can look back and be like, yeah, I did it. And I keep doing it and it helps build your esteem. It helps build your confidence. And that's what we're all about. It's like, we got to do the healing. We got to face the past. We got to overcome the situations and hurdles and things that are kind of, you know, in, in this present moment, but there's good news. There's hope. There's life and there's encouragement to keep going. And then as you go through this journey, it's such a beautiful gift when you could give that back to somebody who's just like you, who needed somebody like you at that time and season in their life. So you have been incredible over delivered as, as I knew, because like you said, our five minute warm up turned into a 45 minute conversation mm-hmm. that has just been, I'm wowed. I'm, I'm enamored to just be here and just, you know, soak this in, but also for that, for your time and your, your presence here. And you graciously gifted our listeners with a workbook as well, which all of this stuff will be included in your show notes. But one last thing, how could people find out more about you and follow along with you and your uh, work that you do? Yeah. If you go to my website, AnnetteChesney.com, you know, it's a website. I've got a podcast out that actually deals with healing and rebuilding your life after narcissistic abuse. Well, I won't say this. I'm in, I'm talking with someone. We might, there might be a second one coming in a little different vein, but I, I have all kinds of resources. A lot of them are free downloads. And then I have different programs, uh, coaching programs. And I, I just, I, I have, I'm not short on resources. <laughs> That's for <laughs> sure. So, and, and, you know, if there's something that you, if you've got questions or something you want to talk about, you can contact me through my website as well. And that chesney.com. And I'll be glad to chat with you, you know, about that. You've got questions about what we talked about here today or whatever, but this has just been phenomenal. I so appreciate being able to be here and talk with you, Rachel. And it just, I just felt like we were just kindred spirits, you know, like there's so many issues that we're just on the same page with and, and just some similar experiences in some way. So this has just been a joy to be able to be here with you. Yes. Likewise. I, again, thank you for your time and be sure to check the show notes for everything, the links, the workbook, how to get in touch with Annette mm-hmm. and, you know, give her, give her podcast a listen as well, because you know what, sometimes you'd be surprised at what you don't know until you uncover and discover. And you're like, wow. And sometimes that's kind of the eye-opening moment when things really start to fall in place because now again, awareness is key. And so it brings clarity and it helps boost that confidence. And so again, incredible. So thank you so much. Thank you. Hey there. Thank you so much for joining me on today's episode of the Confident Woman Podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode as much as I did, please be sure to like, subscribe, and leave us a review. Thanks again for listening. 